Welcome to Ancient and Justified. MTV Party Zone. Revisit it. With me, James Hyman. And with me, Simone Angel. It's my life. It's my life, my worry. Yes. Who's that a clue? Who, who everyone? Who are we gonna who are you interviewing today? Dr. Alban. Yeah. I didn't yes. realise actually. I, I, I was again looking for some stuff on him. Um a DJ. Didn't know I mm-hmm. obviously knew the thing that everyone used to go on about that he was a, a dentist. Yes. Um, yes, and I was. think similar to Rosala, what's interesting, they were kind of late in their in their age to hit mm-hmm. the big time. You know, he was in his yeah. 30s, basically. In fact, probably older. I think he was born in, what, 57? So he was about wow. 34 when It's My Life smashed it. So it's lovely, you know, who, what's age got to do with it? Especially when you're making music. It's not like being a tennis yeah. player or, or, or you know, you, you, how, you could be whatever. Yeah, he was in his 30s. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, he looks good then. He looks amazing. I mean, absolutely yeah. amazing. He looked amazing wow. at the time. Um, yeah. I think the interesting thing was um, also 30 singles the guys had since the 90s. That's a lot of records. One a year, and you he, could say. And he sold, Was it? Is it 16 million? Did millions, I get that right? Millions. Platinum singles. Four of those was... singles were platinum in the, off the first album, I think. Yeah, I think it was 16 million. Seven albums. And one thing I'm again, we we think we've touched on this before, but you can have that one single, so it's my life, used on endless ads, TV trailers, commercials, whatever. Most famously, the Tampax ad, and that's a big earner, right? Who would have thought? You know, when you get asked for a Tampax ad, you're like, mm, not that cool, but okay, we'll do it. It makes some money. But that actually, I think that must have been the thing that got him to the number two spot in the UK because that was a British commercial. So, yeah, da da. Who would have thought? Kaching on that one. Yeah, I'm curious. You know, again, is that one of those hits that just keeps him financially secure? I can't yeah. remember if he I wrote his like, songs, to be honest. hallelujah. Yeah, absolutely. Big, 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 big. No Coke. The original one was fantastic with the oh, yeah. Felicuti beats. I loved it. <laughs> loved it. Working, of course, with the late, great Dennis Pop. Yeah. The producer. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. That guy yeah. did so much good stuff. Sure. The Max Martin of his day. Thing that I found quite interesting, you know, when you started to look in the High Mag magazine mm. collection, there was virtually no press on Dr. Alban in the UK. Something that I always felt living in the UK, that as far as the UK press goes, you can make poppy, cheesy music, but only if you are doing it like tongue in cheek. Like mm. you have to be slightly sarcastic about it and go, I know it's cheesy, but we're doing it. And a lot of the Euro dance and the Euro pop acts didn't do that. So they did it seriously. And that was just not acceptable. Yeah. I mean, UK. to our limited. It's look, like, then, you then would... your uncle, we're not going to touch you. The records were still selling, but the press wasn't there. Yeah, I think he's an interesting case because I went very deep looking at High Mag stuff and going through 
as much as I could. Obviously, the whole archive is not yet digitized. Were it digitized, it might have sprung up something that I just missed and couldn't find. It did mention him a lot of just what he was releasing and singles and things like that. But yeah, there was nothing really substantial like a big. The only thing I could find and annoyingly seemed to have gone missing was this. Smash Hits from 1992. Do you know who that is on the cover? No. Famous Five. Oh, is it Take That? I think it's, is it Take That? Or is it, yeah, it's Take That. Um, right. And that was the only thing I could find from like 1992 with the one page on him. That's it. As I wow. said, apart from mentioning he's gone gold, he's gone platinum, he's gone this. I have a little theory, which again, you know, by all means, ask him. See if he remembers doing the UK. I really couldn't find stuff in all the smash hits, the face, the enemy, all the music mags of the time. I think he did some Euro mags, so Bravo, Televisia, and all those kind of ones. But what I have a theory, I mean, not a theory, but it's, you know, he, he released a track actually a couple of years ago, I think just around about COVID time, called Drama. And it was about his relationship with the tabloid press. So maybe he mm -hmm. consciously wanted to not be in the press. He was smart. He thought they're just going to take the mickey out of me. They're going to say things that aren't true because he was very anti-Swedish journalist. So maybe... He actively didn't want to be in the press. Okay. He said, my music's going to do it. So I, I think that's a big one. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'll discuss that with him. Yeah. And I do think that whole thing with the British press, for sure, if you weren't being tongue in cheek about it, then you really shouldn't be doing anything poppy because it wasn't necessarily because it was a European act, you know, from Sweden, because for instance, Nena Cherry, I mean, she True. was from Sweden, True. massive in the UK, very cool. Um, mm. But there was definitely a lot of the stuff that we were playing on MTV that came from Europe that um, was for the British press for sure was taking itself a bit too seriously and so they wouldn't touch it. But, you know, talking about European and British and I just want to read out to you, James, because you may not even know, mm. we have listeners from all over the world. So our listeners are from the UK, Netherlands, the USA. Russia, Finland, Germany, Portugal, Ireland, France, Norway, Sweden, Spain, Poland, Australia, Belize, Denmark, Romania, Belgium, India, Argentina, Italy, Bulgaria, Canada, Dominican Republic, Estonia, Israel, Iceland, Montenegro, Malaysia, New Zealand, Serbia, and Singapore. Love it. Love How it. How crazy is that? Global. <laughs> We're global. We are global. So if you're listening right now and you, you know, we haven't listed your country on here because there's also some where it says um, unknown. Mm. So if you're in one of the unknown countries, let us know. Drop us a line, leave a comment and tell us where you're at. So, and share, yeah. share, spread what we're doing because, you know, we want to gather oh, not yes. just not just the party's own generations who watched it, lived it at the time, the people who pined for it, but new people, new people who are interested in the history of dance and you know, the acts and yeah. who, we, who we covered. And by the way, before you go off and, you know, speak with Dr. Album, to give you that 30-year scare again, I mean, it was December 92. It was an MTV dance we did with him. Again, I can't remember whether it was in the studio or we did it probably on a boat from, like, some Swedish event. Do you remember actually interviewing him? It was a dance, an episode of dance. Could it have been at the Stockholm Water Festival, yeah. maybe? Yes. I think it could. Test okay, well, memory. I'll find out. I'll ask him. Yes, I will do. All right, James, thank you. <laughs>
Dr. Alban Nwapa, better known, of course, to everyone as simply Dr. Alban. Oh, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And you know, it's funny. I, the last few days, I've really come to realize something. I have to apologize to you. I have to apologize to you because doing some research and really re-listening to all your songs made me realize that for many, many years, I completely underestimated you as an artist. You are so <laughs> much more than I realized. I was like, I felt quite bad. I'm like, I just kind of lumped you in with just a Europop, that that's what you were. And then when I listened back, even the songs that I knew, I realized yeah. I'm like, no, you were way more. I mean, Hello Africa, that's not Europop. Uh, no Coke, can't call that Europop. Even Europop, Sing Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. your music was actually, and, and still to this day, is actually very broad. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. But better better late than delayed. <laughs> right. And I'm not saying I didn't like your music. Of course, everybody has sung along and partied to your music, you know, no doubt. Yeah. But um, yes. but do you do you feel like that's happened a lot to you, that people kind of underestimated you, even when you were like scoring all these hits? Yeah, I, I think so. You're absolutely right. This is so many people... Uh, They've said this thing to me, just yes. what you said, what you just said. I've had it so many from so many people. Really? And I, I, I just wonder how come, how come is it? Uh, probably because I have a university degree as a dentist <laughs> and uh, people were thinking like, he's not a musician. He's just, uh, he's not an artist. He, he, it was just a stroke of luck that he find himself there. And uh, he's supposed to be in the dental clinic. He's right. supposed to be in the hospital and I don't know what it is, but many people really underestimated me. I know, I know they do. Yeah. And even, I didn't even realize, for instance, that you were a lot more club than, than I knew, you know, that you'd been a DJ and you were playing more underground music and that you had your own yeah. nightclub, Alphabet Street, all that yeah. stuff. I didn't realize. I just thought you were kind of, I don't know, just <laughs> found in the dentistry uh, practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. Tell me about tell me about the club. Tell me about that period. The club Alphabet Street went every Thursday and in downtown Stockholm. And I played a lot of reggae, hip hop, house. So you were a DJ or you were an owner? I was both the owner and the DJ. So but that was a really unusual move for you because, okay, so if we rewind your story a bit more, yeah. we end up, we're going to Southeast Nigeria, where you're born in this middle-class family. Your dad is a doctor. Um, yeah. Your whole family seemed to be all about education and your brothers apparently ended up being diplomats and lawyers. And, you know, it was a very yeah. different setting. So yes. you grow up in this family and then you end up running a nightclub. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. But what, how I actually ended up in the nightclub is that while I was in the university, um, I needed some money to support the studies. I was in the university, so University of Stockholm. So I had to support the studies somehow. So I had to go to this club, make money. I started really as a cleaner in this club. And then, and then a day that the DJ didn't, didn't show up, 
I was pushed and forced to be a DJ by force. So a DJ that never show, showed up, that was the beginning of Dr. Alban. Oh my goodness. So you can imagine that night, the first night, DJ don't, didn't know how to mix. The, the, the records were stopping in between. I was late in, in set, you know, putting on the next track. And the, the, the songs were, the, the BPM, the tempos were varying a lot. But the, but the nightclub <laughs> owner said, the guy is sick, do it. Wow. The best you can. Good luck. And that was it. Yeah. Amazing. So you were born in a family of 10 children. Is that right? Yes. Right. And is it true it was all boys? Please tell me that's not true. Not all boys. No, that's oh, wrong. Oh, I was going to say, your poor it, it, mom. It, <laughs> listen, it's five, five, listen, the funny part of it is that it's five boys and five girls. Ah, uh, okay. How the hell can that be? That's nice. Five, five boys and five girls. It's perfect. It's definitely, perfect. yeah, definitely it's perfect. Yeah. So, but then when you were 10 years old, a civil war broke out. Yes. I mean, how did you experience that? Oh, it was terrible. I mean, hearing all these aeroplanes flying, these jets flying over, and then we were taking cover, and uh, these bombs were dropping, and um, transport communications were bad, nothing at all, no food, not three square meals a day, Running waters, there was no running waters, there was nothing, electricity, no. So it was like, it was a hell of a time, but that war ended up after three years. Yeah. I managed to survive. Yeah. And then I left um, after a couple of years to Sweden to pursue, to pursue my university degree. Yeah. So, I mean, with all the wars that are going on in the world and, and the refugees, I mean, how... How does it feel to witness that as someone who's experienced war? Well, I know what it is. I've seen it all. So at Ukraine today, I, I just feel sorry and terrible. And I feel that I feel that that war is not is not really is not really motivated. It's just crazy that that war is going on now. And uh, I know because I've, I've been in that situation before. Yeah. It's terrible, horrible. Yeah. Has that experience shaped you in any form? Um, has it given you a, a certain level of resilience maybe that you may not have had otherwise? Or was it was it just pure, just just evil, horrible, don't want to think about it? Or do you actually feel like it, it still helped shape you in some shape or form? Well, um, I... It's, it has shaped me a lot because I know what it is hearing all these jet fighters moving up, 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 and down, up and down, the bombs dropping, no water, no electricity, no food. Yeah. That's why I've been writing. All my songs are basically like Hell Africa. It's, it's just telling these leaders to stop fussing and fighting, unite. Yeah. And with, when you force and fight, you can't get no development you don't get no development at all yeah. you need to negotiate you, you need to talk it's forcing and fighting don't you know you're not going to go anywhere no 
I don't see, there's no reason for any war. You need to talk, you need to negotiate. So I've seen it all. So yeah. when I wrote Hell Africa, I was thinking that these people are crazy. You need to talk to each other. Yeah. Because when you force some fight, you don't get anywhere. Yeah. It's a winner when you have a war. No, exactly. Well, and I guess that's, that's you know, that, that whole thing is carried with you in all your music because all your music pretty much has had uplifting, positive messages. Yeah. So how are the reactions or how have they been throughout the years from, from fans? Do they really appreciate that? Yes, I've, um, I've seen how, like, going on with all the tours I've been doing. The 90s tour has been so many people and... Uh, Sing Hallelujah, It's My Life is being played in, I mean, the money, I still collect a lot of uh, writers fee, so much money coming in from these songs. Yeah. So these songs have been played on daily basis. So it's been, it's been huge. Yeah. And when I look back, I said, oh my God, I, I, now I can realize how good these songs were, or how good they are still. Yeah. Yeah, they just they just make you happy. You can't you can't help yeah, but yeah. you know sing along. And um, yeah. and I guess so. So it's my life. To a certain extent, at the time, was you saying to your family, "This is my life. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna make music." Because did they understand what you were doing? Because you were from such an academic, you know, and, family. and professional family. Did they yeah. not get it? In the beginning, it was so difficult. It was very difficult because they thought, what the hell is he doing? It's crazy. We sent him there to study and come back. When the songs got very big, then they started thinking differently. But in the beginning, it was difficult. They got motivated as, as the songs got bigger and bigger. And when they see on the screen back home in Nigeria, so the, you know, the homeboy is big in Europe. So everybody is congr congratulating them. So, yeah. So, so people go, hey, we saw in, this morning on MTV, we saw hi this morning on this and that and that. Your song, oh, what a good song, what a great track. Then it became much better. They, they felt okay. Yeah. And then, and then now, after it, it got so huge with the small life and saying hallelujah, they, they practically accepted the whole situation. <laughs> Yes. So talking about MTV, so James Hyman and I were trying to figure out when we met. And I'm thinking, could it have been, so it was for MTV Dance for sure. We know that. Yeah. yeah. But, but we were wondering where it was. Did, did we do something at the Stockholm Water Festival maybe? Or? We did. We did. Right. We actually did. Okay. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay. And my mom, funny enough, when I said I was interviewing you, she said, oh, you introduced me to him. Apparently, I was walking on a market somewhere in London one day. You were there. And I went, oh, this is Dr. Alvin. This is my mother. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even remember that anymore. But she does. Like, oh, I met him. <laughs> oh, God. That's good. Wow. That's good. So how is your memory? I mean, do you remember all the like the craziness from back then did you really register it because many of us don't not everything but i try as much as i can not wow. remembering everything no it, so much happened so much happened but i remember the big 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 ones i do remember but not so many things happened now yeah. i don't remember everything now so tell me about dennis pop because of course he played a, a big role 
in your career. So tell tell me about that. Tell me about how you that's met. A, that's a that's a good that's a good question that many people don't know. We this Alphabet Street actually he played also as a DJ. So one 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 Thursday night he was a guest DJ. I played before him, and when I played, I was I was just like talking, chatting in between records and. Many people, many DJs didn't do that. So he said, what the hell are you doing? It sounds good. Can we, can we record this? I thought he was joking. So he was, a, no, he was a, just an ordinary DJ. So we decided, I thought he was joking. So we decided, okay, I, let, let's do it. So that's when I came to his studio in, um, in Stockholm South, down South in Stockholm, he brought this demo tape of Hello Africa. And the, the, the beats were jungle beats and all that. And then I said, one thing I know is that this song is going to be called Hello Africa. What I, that's the only thing I said. Yeah. He, he asked me why. I said, but the beats are jungle. The beats are African. Took the beat home and I started writing. And then I, I said, come on, these guys over, Hello Africa, tell me, how are you guys doing? Yeah. Are, you, <laughs> are you putting your things together? Yeah. Unite. Fussing and fighting, get your shits together and all that. So that's how I, I came about with the track and um, the, the lyrics and that. We, record, we recorded the track and the track got big in Europe. Yeah. Did it get big in Africa at the time? Yes, huge. When they had the first World Cup in South Africa, we used, you know, before the before the game right yeah yeah, yeah. that makes mm. sense so yeah, yeah. so so you and dennis continued working mm. um of course he sadly passed away in 1998 yeah. it was right i mean really very young yeah. um yeah 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 very young huge loss i mean i know i know i know oh my cancer goodness. yeah he managed to do a lot in his short life, though, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah really, yeah, did, really yeah. left a stamp on, on the music industry. Um, yeah. So were you still working with him at that time? Yeah, until when he got sick, there, there was not much to do. So I started working with other people. We, I, we did three albums. We did a, the Hill Africa album. We did the One Love album with It's My Life, Sing Hallelujah. Yeah. And we did the Lucas Talking album. That's the third album. So yeah. we did three albums, and on the fourth one, that was when he got sick. Wow. We worked on three albums, three successful albums. Yeah. So, so how was that for you afterwards? I mean, did you did you feel kind of lost after that? Because that yeah. was your your anchor, you know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We we started at the same. He was nobody, and I was nobody, and he got big, and I got big at the same time with Hell Africa. After Hell Africa, so many people came looking for his. Uh, him to produce, or you know, Ace of Base came, yeah. Backstreet Boys came, and all that. Yeah. So, wow, and um, and I mean, Hello Africa has lived a long life. Actually, um, you did it. Was it just a few years ago? Was it Sun? Yeah, and that's yeah. really cool because it's got that real kind of Nigerian kind of sound, right? The Afrobeat yeah. sound. Yeah. Yes. Hello Africa, tell me how you doing. Because of course that is now huge. Nigerian music is yeah, huge. I know. It's huge. It's huge, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, how cool is that? 
probably I have to do a remake of that really in Afrobeat. Yeah, I mean, Justin Bieber has just done um, um, an Afrobeat track. Hey. Um, Ed Sheeran did one. Randy did one. I mean, it's it's just yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's everyone from the West is now. But before people from Africa wanted to go to the West, now people from the yeah. West are coming to Africa or from the States, yeah. from the UK, and and trying to yeah. make music with the musicians there. Yeah, that must yeah. feel kind of good. But the thing I find interesting in your music is that you always have seemed to take your African roots with you in your music. Yes, yes. I've always believed, I've always believed that originality is the key to success. I've always believed that you should keep that root and, and the whole vibe and the whole, how I started is uh, the, the drum beat, the Hill Africa sound, the accent, the, the, the lyrics, and why should I move away from that? That was the whole, that's, that was how I got started. And it got very big and people got to know me. So I still keep that going on, even though I did things like, I did no coke after that. And then when about doing it's my life and sing a little that was more upbeat, more faster, that was Euro pop. Then I, I still I still I still think that um I've done so many different kinds of sound, but they still keep the African vibe all the time. And I think in a way it's it's good to own who you are. You know, I heard Mr. C say the other day, he called himself an elder. He said, I'm the elder of the of the rave scene, you know, and he's like, Why move away from that? And for you, you're an African man in Stockholm, in Sweden. Um this is who you are, you know, and, and, and so you were being just genuine to yourself. How was that actually coming from Africa to Sweden, um, or coming from Nigeria to, to Sweden? Were there many black people in Stockholm? Was it? No, mean... not at that time. Not at that time when I came, no. So how... Now, yes, but, but how... not at that time. So how was that? Yeah, I had to do lots of things much better than anybody else right. to fit in in the society that was how it is that was how it was and um it still is now but that time was more was when you walk in the street you only see one or two black people and everybody's blonde mm -hmm. but um now it's too many black people here now it's... more than before <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah now it's yeah. all mixed yeah. Did, did you encounter any any racism at the time, or, or were you quite accepted? Racism always exists. Yeah. Different different kinds and all that, but I don't really care about racism. Mm -hmm. I think that when you care, when you show them that you care, when you give them that feeling that you care, that you know what they are doing is wrong, then they seem to they have won, and they seem to think they win the whole thing. So. This, the, the, the commonest thing to do or the normal thing to do is just to avoid them mm -hmm. and not don't give them that don't give them that that uh, don't give them that uh, respect that they or don't give them that uh, that you know that they they're doing something wrong or you right. know that they are doing something don't just don't show them that don't just ignore them yes rise, racism, rise racism, above it racism is just nothing but 
ignorance. It is. It's just, yeah. it is nothing. It's so, just so simple, the ignorance, because I, I have friends that are from, they're white, but, and, and I speak daily, on daily basis with them. And I do not speak on daily basis with my brother. The same father, the same mother. But this is, it's just, people are people, and it doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter what the color they have. Yes. And this is also what this is also what I have in the new track. And, uh, change. Change. Yes, yeah. of course. It's a great track. Tell me about it. Yeah. It's after all these years. It's a change. Is a dream. Uh, just as, as I have a dream and. It's all Martin Luther King influenced also. Um, I listened to Martin Luther King a, a lot. I re re read a lot about Martin Luther King. And I felt that freedom it will always be a right and will never be a privilege. So freedom to be a gay or freedom to be married or freedom to be Muslim or freedom to be a Christian or freedom to be whatever. Mm -hmm. You were talking about Martin Luther King. Um, another legend like him was, of course, Nelson Mandela. Mm. You met Nelson Mandela, right? Yeah. Mm. Yes, can I did. Can you tell me about? Can you tell me about that? If you check the video, the beginning of the video, you see a, a, a photo with me and Nelson Mandela in the beginning of the video. The video changed. Well, I was in South Africa, nineteen ninety-three. We had a concert in uh, Standard Bank Arena, Jobag, and we did it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it was packed. And, um, and when I look at the crowd, everything, everybody was white. Mm. At that point in time, I think South Africa had 36 million people. Now there are more. They are like 40, over 45, 46 million people now. And I, I thought like the 36 million people in South Africa, 28 million of them, they are blacks. And like six, seven million are white. So why is this concert full of white people? Where are the black people? So we decided we had to make a free concert for the people over there since we didn't yeah. see them, since we didn't see them in a the concert. We went to Soweto and then we started playing. We played one track. Entering the second track, the police came and said, we have to leave the place within five minutes. Because at that point in time, it was 93. The system was not totally abolished. Mandela became president in 94. So there was a law in South Africa at that point in time that people should not gather together. That, that was an apartheid system then, that people should not gather together. Once people gather together, it's against the law. So we, we, we were told to leave within five minutes. When we left Soweto, we could only play one or two tracks. Then we got a call from ANC, from their headquarters that Mandela wanted to see us because when he went up, it would become a news flash. He went up everywhere. So we went to meet Mandela at the ANC headquarters in Joburg and um, we sat down there and he was asking me actually what happened. I told him that we felt that the presence of the black people in the concerts were very bad. They, we did, we, I couldn't see, I could see four or five. Each concert was 6,000 sold out. It was four days. I could see four or five black people in that concert. That's why I, I, I explained to Mandela why, what happened. And then he said, okay, he said, yes, this is the system. That's why we fought it. 
and that's why we are still fighting it. At that time, he was supposed to be the president, 94, but this was 93. So he asked me where I was from originally. I told him Nigeria. He was happy with Nigeria because he said Nigeria helped to fight apartheid system. He actually lived in Nigeria at a point in time. And he asked me why I'm living. I said Sweden. He said Sweden as well has done so much for ANC. So we had a we had a good conversation, and he he joked a lot. So young in mind, he joked a lot, and he, we were just laughing. Wow! Amazing, amazing to to have met, and I mean, really, an absolute living legend. What a man! Incredible, incredible what he endured and achieved in the end, and just an unbelievable story. Um, I know that Two Unlimited did something similar. I mean, I didn't get to meet Mandela, I don't think, but I know that they also, um, they were quite angry about having to play for a white crowd. Yes. And yes. actually demanding in the end to to set up a free concert because at that point, I think it was after apartheid, but they said, well, you know, it's only the white people who can afford it. They were like, well, we'll just do a free concert then. So yeah, they yeah. did it. And I don't think that was much in the press, but I really do appreciate that. But um, they're all acts like but that. Prob probably that, that was abolished. But when I was there, I was the first one. I was the first yeah. international artist that could be, visit South Africa. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, this was after. So so basically, um, yeah. apartheid was abolished. I would, yeah, but yeah, yeah. still, at that point, they would go to their gigs and the whole audience was white because they said it was too expensive. Yeah, there was no money. Yeah, black yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Right, and so yeah. they ended up doing a free concert. Yeah. Um, so I was reading that you are Igbo originally, right? Yes. The Igbo tribe. So what are the Igbo like because i when i read the book from trevor noah he was talking about the different tribes and how there's certain characteristics that that really fit with the tribe so what would you say for igbu um well um in nigeria the most industrious people in nigeria good people i may say <laughs> so and you've taken that with you i mean you know that's really been part of of you know, you as an artist, even. I think so. I think we, they are very industrious yeah. people. They, I think they are known in Nigeria, even though you might you might say anything about them, but they are very industrious people. They are really, yeah, Edu educated wow. and industrious. This is what they are known for. Yeah, you also for a while. I don't know if you still do that. You actually had a Dr. Alban Awareness Foundation. Is yes. that still going? And, and what is it? It's still going on. I normally I'm too busy to be working with that all the time, but I, I every four years when the when we have election in Nigeria, it's very active every four years. So it's gonna I'm gonna be active again 2023, 2023, because it's an election year in Nigeria. It's an awareness thing that I do every 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 time. When there was AIDS, yeah, I did that. When there you have COVID. And then um, now the election is coming in Nigeria. So I always want people to vote for the right candidates. Sean, people giving you money for, to vote for them. Vote for the right candidates. You know, tell them what I think about this candidate and what I think about this candidate, what is good about this candidate and what I think about this candidate. And for the people that live in the interior that wouldn't have uh, opportunities to, to, to have uh, social media with them, so most of the time I speak in the Nigerian language. So, but with your, so when you talk, for instance, about Hello Nations and No Coke, 
you seem to put a lot of messages in your music. And it's funny because living here in Belize, I hear it a lot on the radio here too. Like I hear a lot of music that have direct messages to people because I think, for instance, here in Belize, um, radio is really important. That's like the main way, the main form of communication. Of course, now the internet is is coming through, but in every every village, there's everyone has their radios on. So if someone dies, it's on the radio. If anything <laughs> happens, it's on the radio, right? Yeah, yeah. That's how you let people know stuff. And also these messages. So was this something that you grew up with in Nigeria too? Is it the same kind of thing where a lot of social messages were put through music on the radio? Was that something you grew up with? Definitely, it's the same. Really? Okay. But the same, the same. But now, the one thing is that internet is so big. Social media is so big in Nigeria now. So it's like taking over. But when I grew up, exactly what you said, is that's what, how it was. Huh. Mm. And so you took that yeah. and then brought that to Europe yeah, and put yeah, that in yeah, your music. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Mm. And tell me about, so you just did your track, your latest track with Whitney Payton. So tell me about, tell me about her. She's an upcoming rapper from Arizona, in the US. Still didn't meet her yet. I, I listened to her, I saw her on YouTube, I saw her moves, her, her rap, and then we sent her the song and she she came out with that. And I said, wow, sounded good. And that was it. Yeah, but you haven't met. Hoping to, looking forward to. <laughs> wow. The wonders of technology, huh? I mean, here we are. I'm in Belize. You're in. You're in Sweden. You're working with someone in Arizona. It's just. It's. It's amazing, isn't it? I love it. Yeah, it is. It is. The. It's like the whole world has just become quite small in that way. Yeah. The reason why you haven't met her, I guess, has got nothing to do with COVID. I guess it's just you just haven't met her yet. Yeah. But but how was the whole COVID period in Sweden? Because we were told that Sweden stayed open. I mean, did Sweden stay completely open? I mean, could you still perform in that period? No, no, no. It, it was not that. Okay. It, it was not that open. It was. Just, kind of partial partially was open that was it. it it was not it was not that tight that tight restriction as maybe in germany or any other country no no you guys weren't locked down yeah. you didn't have to stay home no no exactly you didn't have but but there were no shows you couldn't do any big shows no no, no. so you guys experienced it quite a bit different although actually as an artist still the same kind of thing because you couldn't perform yeah um, yeah so in a way, even though you didn't have to stay home, I guess you still stayed home yeah, yeah, quite yeah. a lot, you, you right? You didn't need to stay home. Wow. Was there ever a moment where you thought, maybe I should just go back to dentistry? No, no, I love, <laughs> I, I love that. I mean, I'm performing, traveling, meeting people, seeing countries, towns, cities, and all that. I enjoy it a lot because I don't need to read, I don't need to read news, newspapers or see news or watch tvs and just like you're talking about russia i know all about russia i've been everywhere in russia ukraine i've been everywhere in ukraine i know 
I know the system. I know which cities they are talking about. I know the you know the whole system. So traveling as you know traveling is the best teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you, your music was very big, probably still is in all those countries after the fall of the Soviet Union. Yeah, all those new you know, more kind of European, new European nations. Mm. Um, your music was was massive, right? Yeah, I guess yeah. there was this whole big sense of optimism yeah. and there was your optimistic music and it just colored people's, yeah, teenage years, early adult years. Yes. So you still have a lot of fans there, right? Yes, I do. I do. I've, I've been in almost every big city in Russia, just like any big city in Ukraine. The, you know, the, 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 the Eastern European countries, they... They didn't witness the 90s when, when we had the 90s in, in the Western Europe. So when, when, the whole, when the whole thing ended, they loved it and they still love the 90s. Like, uh, but I thought they did because a lot of them, we started to um, broadcast in a lot of these nations. And to me, being at MTV, I actually t- that was one of my favorite things, that we could bring youth culture to those nations and kind of welcome them in to all the young people going, come on, this is fun, you know, and, 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 and giving them that kind of identity and, and youth culture. So I thought they did experience. Yeah, but, but, the the, but that, that, that was, way. they did, but that was just a small number of them, a small number of, you know, it's right. not, you know, I mean, come on, Russia is one eighty ninety 90 million people. I mean, right. how many, how many, how many people, how many people live well in Russia? It's just like yeah. in Sweden or Holland or England that 80, 90% are living very well. In, in Russia, 80% of people don't live very well. It's just the, the ones that have money, they have, they have money. But the ones that they don't have, don't have. Yeah. Gradually now, things are penetrating in the interior in these countries. Yeah. Yeah. So of all the places you've been, all the countries you visited, what have been some of your favorites? Or some of your your dearest memories. The, one of the biggest ones is meeting, you know, that concert meet, that led to meeting Mandela. That's one. And then I remember a concert in Bogota, Colombia. Mm-hmm. And we did Colombia, we did Perere, we did Cali. We, you know, when the people, the amount of people outside, and they came with their drum set, and then. Some of them were almost, you know, climbing, climbing the fences. And I could see them climbing the fences. More people outside than inside. And you could hear them all playing the drums. Yeah, that's what that was Colombia Amazing. for you. Wow. I liked it anyway. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much, Dr. Alban. It's been so wonderful so catching up with you. So I wonder how your track is going to do. It's a wonderful track. It's another good message, as Thank usual. You. Thank you. And who and who would have thought that at this age you're still playing the game? <laughs> you're still out there. You're still making yeah. music, and you're looking youthful Thank as ever. Thank you. Thank you. I do. Um, I wake up every morning and I do like five to ten kilometers a day. I walk, take a walk. It's good. And then I have um, a small little gym at home. But, but the most important thing is that I, I have to take a walk every day, five to six kilometers a day. I wouldn't, uh, the minimum I could do is five kilometers. Wow. Wow. I could do up to 15 kilometers, but the minimum should be five. 
daily basis, yeah. Amazing. Wow, so that's the secret. The doctor has just given us the secret to a long and healthy life. Yeah. Thank you so much. You. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. go with Dr. Alban? It was good. It was a, a great discussion. It was um, fascinating finding out more about his life. And um, I found it interesting to hear, you know, that he had been in a civil war and it really kind of made him want to connect people, bring people together, you know, and sing and rap about uplifting things and just get away from all the darkness. So I think that really stayed with him. Mm. Um what I was a little bit annoyed about with myself was that I forgot to ask him about the press because that was a big thing, right? The whole press. Yeah. Why couldn't we find that much press or any press really on him in the UK? After the interview, I sent him a message and, and asked him what, you know, what the deal was. And he left me a voice message saying that um, he felt that the British press just wasn't taking him seriously. Um, and that very quickly he, yes, he you. realized I don't even want to go there. And so, yes, he consciously stayed away specifically from the UK press. So there you go. So, as I said, I think the only thing visible on him was smash hits in 1992 would take that on the cover. That's about the best you're going to get. If you yeah. want a Dr. Album poster yeah. on your wall and you want to relive your nineties youth. That's it. Got to get the smash hits. But uh, no, it was really, uh, it, it was a great interview. And um, and he was in, in really good spirits. He's very excited about his new track. So yes, good luck with that, Dr. Alban. We're all rooting for you. Hope that's going to go really well. I look forward to listening. Thank you.